Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the Technology and Innovations Editor here at Health Leaders. Today, we're talking to Jorg Schwartz, Senior Director of Healthcare Interoperability and Strategy Solutions at Infor. We'll be talking about how healthcare organizations should be investing in data platforms, how the ROI is measured for these platforms, and what the future holds for interoperability and data analytics. Welcome, Jorn. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Okay, let's let's get right into this. What are the, the the main features that one should look for when considering a data platform for a healthcare organization? Yeah, first of all, uh, we see a lot of customers now uh, waking up to the idea that you need a data platform outside of the EHR where you can both bring data in from other organizations. Uh, and from the EHR, uh, so you can do some data mining. Uh, when you look at the data platform, uh, one of the things that uh, you should be looking for is that the data platform is versatile so that you can combine both traditional healthcare data, uh, data from the EHR or from other systems, uh, and data from operational systems. And, and I can give you later a few use cases uh, where that becomes very clear why you need to combine different data types. But when you when you look at the platform, it should be a platform that is more like a data lake, uh, but with the structure and governance of a data warehouse that oftentimes is called a data lake house, uh, where you can combine different data types uh, and you have a strong ETL extraction transformation load process to bring in uh, those different data types. Hmm. Now, this this platform should be outside the EHR? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, in business intelligence and data analytics, uh, we separate uh, what we call the operational system and the analytical system. And the operational system, like the EHR, mm -hmm. are designed to provide your daily operation. This is where you run your business. This is where you provide care. And that's what these systems are designed to do. They have to be performant. They have to be secure. They have to provide the workflows, et cetera, et cetera. But they're not designed to be analytical platforms. So when you want to build a data analytics platform, you want to do that outside of the operational system. You take the data from the operational systems, uh, and in a hospital, that can be the EHR, that can be the uh, imaging system, that can be the lab system, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you take the data out of these operational systems, you uh, send it through an extraction, transformation, and loading process. Uh, you know, in business analytics, we call it the data integration process, uh, sometimes also called data cleansing process. Uh, you make sure that you're using the same terminologies, you're using uh, a consistent patient identifier, et cetera, et cetera. And then you load it into your analytics platform, which is the data platform that we're talking about. Hmm. Okay, now we talked about uh, the main features one should look for. What are the biggest uh, challenges perhaps that healthcare systems face 
in 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 getting one of these data platforms up and running yeah one one of the issues is that the traditional standards that we use in healthcare for clinical data uh, specifically hl7v2 is not really well suited for data analytics there's way too much variability the data is not um, consistently coded etc cetera, etc cetera. there's a newer standard called hl7 fire which is much better suited for data analytics and uh, there are a lot of innovative startup companies that have built uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence based algorithms to mine data that is in fire format but the problem is that most of the data that is transacted in healthcare today i would say 95% or more is still in hl7v2 so we at infor have built a tool called firebridge that translates in real time between HL7v2 and FHIR. And so it can be used as part of the ETL process to translate data from HL7v2, maps it automatically into FHIR so you can put it in your analytics platform. And there are also work uh, use cases where it makes sense to translate back from FHIR into HL7v2 uh, to utilize your legacy systems that don't necessarily transact in HL7v2. So that's that's one of the issues. The other issue is that you really have to combine the clinical data with operational data, data from your financial systems, data from your HR systems. And oftentimes people neglect that. They only think about the clinical data by itself but there's a lot of use cases where it becomes important to combine both the clinical and the operational data certainly yes okay um now we're talking with data platforms we think and, and you have mentioned there's much more than clinical involved um can the right platform improve improve the the workflow for the for the healthcare worker as well as their patients is is, is this type of, of service a benefit to both uh, providers and patients 100 percent let me give you a couple of examples eric uh, we're working on a module called clinical science uh, this module is based on many many years of experience as being the number one uh, platform for workforce management in the healthcare industry, you know, the Lawson product, uh, now Cloud Suite, uh, with uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, healthcare workers every day. And we use that data to really uh, assess relationships between the workload and the worker profiles to make sure that nurses, nurse assistants, et cetera, always work at the top of their licensure because you don't want a nurse to do the work of a nursing assistant uh, because there's no nursing assistant available. So when you have a data platform, what you can do is you can bring together clinical data to get the clinical census of who is in your hospital, who will be in your hospital based on appointments scheduled, uh, based on ADT, so which is traditional clinical information, you combine that with your experience of for certain procedures, you need uh, certain workloads. When you have a patient of a certain age and a certain disease, you need X number of nurse hours, 
X number of nurse assistant hours, etc., etc., and you can then utilize this to optimize the work schedule of the individuals. And what you do by this is you avoid unnecessary overtime. You make sure that the right profiles, the right licensure is available at the time that you don't have understaffing issues, et cetera, et cetera. And this is just one example of bringing clinical data and operational data and experience together to predict what type of work profiles you need and you use that prediction in your work schedule. So you're not scheduling based on, okay, what, was, what were the type of people that we had on staff last month and use that as an example, or what did we have on staff last year? Because your census, your your disease profile, your patient profile last month or last year might have been completely different than the census that you have next week. And you should make your plan based on the census that you will have most likely, not on the census that you had a year ago or a month ago. Does that make sense, Eric? Yes, it does. And it's certainly a, a crucial function right now when we talk about the, the uh, stress in the workplace that we're exactly. seeing. Every, yeah, stress and burnout everywhere. Exactly. Is happening right so now. that's definitely one of those examples where it's good for the provider. It's also good for the patient because it's good for the patient if the people that take care of a patient in a hospital are working at the top of their licensure. You don't want a nursing assistant having to do the work of a nurse because that that's not what they're qualified for and vice versa you don't want a nurse to do the work of a nurse assistant because that that they you know they're not working at the top of their licensure if they do that and yes. there are other examples where we use that same methodology that i described and where you need a data platform where you bring together operational data and clinical data to predict for example the supplies that you need in a surgery you want to predict you know, both consumables, but also implants uh, that you will need. So you have the right, um, the right implants, the right consumables available, and you don't have nurses roaming the halls in, in order to find the right supplies, uh, especially because you can predict it in many cases. Yes, yes. Okay, so your you know, health systems you know have to realize the value of a of a data platform of, of a function of a platform like this how you know how do you determine the ROI for this how do you convince a reluctant healthcare uh, hospital leader to invest in this type of technology when you might not see an immediate impact that is really a crucial question and with any data analytics project, uh, that ROI is not your traditional ROI. The traditional ROI is you have system X and the cost to operate system X is, you know, uh, $500,000. So now you're procuring a new system and uh, you get an ROI if that system does the same thing and it only costs $350,000. So you're saving $150,000 and that's how you can calculate the ROI. With business intelligence solutions, uh, and that's where the data platform concept comes in, uh, the return on investment 
can be much bigger, but it's also harder to quantify. So one of the things that you can do is you measure uh, satisfaction of providers. And uh, in the example that we went through, you can increase provider satisfaction. Are people happy with the way they're their work hours are scheduled today, the way they can uh, sign up for shifts. Are they happy with this or is there room for improvement? Uh, there are other ways, for example, measuring uh, clinical outcomes and clinical quality. We actually working on uh, models to do clinical quality reporting uh, with the same platform that I'm talking about. And this has very high value for a lot of healthcare organizations. As you know, we are shifting from a fee-for-service world to a more value-based world. And in that value-based world, it is very important to measure clinical quality metrics. And uh, if you can improve clin clinical quality metrics, you qualify for higher uh, payments, reimbursement, uh, bonuses, et cetera, et cetera, and double-sided risk contracts. So these are all hard savings uh, that you can quantify if you improve clinical quality. In addition to that, you have soft savings or improvements, like if you measure patient satisfaction, provider satisfaction, nurse satisfaction, etc. Obviously, you have to do a pre and a post. What was uh, the satisfaction prior to implementing new workflows? And what is the satisfaction? So the ROI really comes from measurable quality improvements, both for the provider side, for the patient side, and quantitatively by uh, improving clinical quality measures, which transform in the value-based care world into hard money ROI. Now, do you find uh, do, you, do you find that the healthcare healthcare executives understand the value of data platforms, or are are you are you teaching them? Are they learning new things about data platforms that they hadn't known before? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, we actually recently looked at some data from IDC, and when you look at this, uh, the, um, the data is a little bit ambivalent. So there's a lot of um, healthcare executives, about 50%, that think that FHIR will be transformative in the industry, which on one hand side is good that half of the executives are already convinced that FHIR is transformative. But you could also say 50% are not convinced that FHIR is transformative, despite the fact that you can use FHIR to build these data analytics platforms, uh, you build, uh, you know, API orchestrated workflows and all these benefits. So there's definitely a lot of education that needs to happen. And that's why we're working on use cases, better use cases that really quantify the benefits and show the benefits so that even healthcare executives that right now, for example, do not understand that you need a data analytics platform outside of the EHR uh, will see the benefit of doing that. That executives that don't see the need to transition to FHIR uh, see why it is such a big uh, 
difference in building API orchestrated workflows that are agile and respond to patient needs, uh, to provider needs, to collaboration needs, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't do that with the existing infrastructure, but you can do it by leveraging the existing infrastructure with tools like what I mentioned before, utilizing a fire bridge to bridge between HL7 v2 and fire, creating a fire server, or using something like AWS HealthLake uh, to store the different data types and then uh, perform very specific analytics. I think a lot of healthcare executives are just worrying that they invest in this technology and they don't get the ROI. Uh, and that's why we're working on these use cases to demonstrate, yes, there are very hands-on, very uh, very real uh, use cases that uh, bring uh, the ROI both for patients, providers, and for the organization. Yeah, yeah, certainly important at this time with this economy where health systems are really looking at their bottom line. Let's look at the future. For this last question, let's look at the future a little bit. How do you see this type of data platform evolving? Um, what's next for interoperability and data analytics? Yeah, first of all, the next thing for interoperability is really to migrate from interoperability as tightly coupling uh, systems. You know, uh, we have customers that that have uh, 200, 300, 500 systems all coupled to the EHR as the central operational system in a provider organization. And obviously interoperability is doing a good job. Cloverleaf uh, is installed in, in hundreds, if not thousands of healthcare organizations and doing this tightly coupled interoperability. But we have to evolve from this and uh, use interoperability now to extract the data from the operational system. So not only let the data flow between the systems, but extract and cleanse the data, load it into a data platform that becomes the source of truth for initiatives in the hospital where you bring together clinical and operational data for all kinds of uses. There's so much uh, mm -hmm cost savings, quality improvements, workflow optimization that you can achieve if you mine the data and find out ways to better predict work schedules, predict what your needs are, um, find out ways to avoid waste uh, because you see that you, you can do a root cost, cost analysis and you find oh yeah, that order set, 90% in that order set is usually wasted, so we have to change the order set. Uh, things like that um, really become apparent when you have a data platform that allows you to do all kinds of analytics. And then in the future, you will see there's a lot of really innovation happening. A lot of innovative companies, for example, that utilize uh, IoT data, data from wearables that you can also pull into this data platform and then use AI and machine learning based algorithms to use this data to predict uh, health escalation. So it, you know, in a value based care, healthcare providers are interested to know if one of their patients might uh, get worse in their cardiac disease or their pulmonary disease. And if you can predict this by 
wearable data or um, IoT data that you can capture uh, and then proactively get the patient on the right medication or do a proactive uh, intervention instead of waiting for the patient to show up in the emergency room. This is really where uh, the future of healthcare delivery lies, keeping people out of the emergency room and keeping them healthier. That's good for the patients. It's good for our healthcare system to keep it sustainable because obviously, you know, the cost for healthcare in the United States is already 20% of the GDP. It's unsustainable to keep um, raising that percentage. So we have to find ways to keep people healthier, keep them out of the emergency room. And that's yes. a way to do that. Yes. Okay. Very good. Um, your, thank you very much. Um, you've certainly spoken a, a lot about data platforms here, and there's a lot of potential to them. And as you say, a lot that, that uh, healthcare executives don't know about the value of, of, the, of this technology. Yeah, it's definitely still a lot of work ahead of us to demonstrate this. I'm always joking that in healthcare, people are from Missouri, the show me state. They want to see that something works because oftentimes, uh, you know, it doesn't. Uh, it turns out that uh, they were promised something that doesn't work. So, yes, I think uh, part of the education process is to show them that it works. Yes, yes. Okay, York, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you, you Eric, listening. my pleasure. Okay, and thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with more health industry insights.